Previously on the Kings of the Ring, Burt Ironside and Peyton Thomas found the booty scoot soul man Scatman Jones as a way to fill the void left by Bad Bad Leroy Brown, who left for Empire. Chris Stanley was able to pitch a strong angle for the Willie Dean Gabriel Angel finish, but is still stuck setting up rings with Boxcar Bill. After wrapping up with All South, Crusher Krawcheck looked forward to a strong house for his first show as owner of Heartland with a match versus Goliath in St. Louis. Charlie Gotch finally acknowledges to son Nelly that they are losing the war with Empire. With the help of Nigel Davies and Les Henderson, Julian Kane invaded Atlanta, bought out Southeast Championship Wrestling, promptly dissolved the company, fired almost everyone, and put a patchwork of Empire Wrestling TV in the slot on WVBS. The Hawaiian hunk, Tommy Aloha and Hercules Harris, headlined throughout the Carolinas against the Southern Rebels. And after declining Julian's offer to join the Empire, Jesse James leads a contingent of SCW wrestlers up to the Carolina Wrestling Association looking for work. Today's episode will be rated M.A. for profanity and graphic sexual dialogue. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Kings of the Ring. A man is sitting behind the desk at the offices of Heartland Pro Wrestling in St. Louis. He's an older man, his thinning gray hair painted black in a weak attempt to hide his age. He hangs up the phone following a tense conversation and snuffs out what's left of his cigarette into a thick brown glass ashtray. He shakes his head in disappointment and dials a new number. Crusher, it's Joe. Crookshanks, what do you want? I'm eating. Sorry to interrupt your lunch, mate, but we have a bit of a fucking problem. Did you notice that AC didn't run the show with you and Goliath? I don't know what you're talking about. I watched it on TV with my own eyes. Crusher, I'm talking about the America Channel. Don't you have cable? Cable television, with the fancy channels like HBO, Cinemax, Playboy. Oh, I saw that at my neighbor's house once. You mean the tits and fucking channel? I wouldn't call it that, and it's not just a channel. If I want to watch wrestling, I'll watch our wrestling show on Channel 11. If I want to watch tits and fucking, I'll watch the tits and fucking channel. You know that Heartland is uncable, surely? not on any cable, and don't call me Shirley. Crusher, we certainly are, and we're paying substantial money for the right. Well, that's our first mistake, then. Cancel this cable show. I think the America Channel is about to cancel us anyway. They were calling the office all week. Why didn't you bloody answer the phone? Why? What was the problem? Kula, you and Goliath drenching the ring with it. Too much for Cable. The people have seen me and Goliath before. We thought a little juice would get the match over. Start out my run with a bang. Well, the network didn't like the blood and guts you gave them. Fuck the network, then. 
don't need them. We're on KPLR in St. Louis. KCTV in Kansas City. Crusher, it's not the proper way to handle this. You need to make it up to the network. This deal on AC could be more valuable than we even realize. Things are changing. Southeast is done. Empire's taken over their spot on WVBS. Now they're on cable. I'm going back to London. Need to sort out some matters. You're in charge now. You bought my shares just like you did George. You're a legend. One of the greatest wrestlers of all time with a great booking mind. But you have to run it like a company. That's what you're here for. It's why you're staying on to run the business end uh, while I run the shows. Just, just make it right with the network or it's going to be gone. Goodbye, Crusher. Kings of the Ring, Episode 13, Retaliation. Bert Ironside stands with Peyton Thomas from the roped-off section of the upper deck in the Sportatorium, behind the cameraman shooting the wide shot of the ring. Bert's nephew, Chris Stanley, is talking to him. Uncle, if we're weak on top, let's turn the tables on Julian. Raid his locker room. We need baby faces, and Empire has too many. Corporal Punishment, Thor, Dan Sanders, Michael, Leroy, Tarzan. I saw what you did when I was gone, Chris. Booking that finish to set up Crusher, putting over Gabe. Got us what we needed, right? It was over with Peyton. It got over with the fans. But it's my opinion that counts. You're my nephew. You're done working ring crew. Oh, thanks, Uncle Bert. That boxcar Bill is a major pervert. You should see the things he asks these girls to do. Ugh. But I don't want you hanging out the locker room anymore. You ain't the office. And you ain't one of the boys. Uncle Bert, I can help. There's a war going on. I'm sending you to the TV truck to work for Randy. Anything he needs. Coffee, food, a handjob under the desk. Whatever he wants, you make it happen. Why? I, I don't want to be stuck out there. I want to learn from you and Peyton. Chris, you do what I say. This is a closed-door business. You're getting far more access than any Jew kid from Philadelphia should be getting. Okay, Uncle. Who do I ask for? Randy. You know, Pops, the director. Go to him. He knows you're coming. Chris bites his lip and sulks his way towards the truck. As he walks past the locker room, seeing the wrestlers in there going over their matches. Here we go, Peyton! Bert Ironside and Tom Peyton eagerly look down to watch their newest attraction dance his way to the ring. It's old time USA, Troy Michigan. Weighing in at 215 pounds. He is the silky smooth booty, booty, booty scoop soul man, Scatman Jones. Some of the female fans are dancing along, others not so much. Slowly, some get into it, possibly mocking him. He steps into the ring in his glittery green robe and large-brimmed pimp hat. Then he takes them off, and Scatman looks remarkably unimpressive and quite skinny compared to his opponent, Cadillac Jake Donovan, one of the underneath guys, who isn't big at all. Scatman has plain black short tights and regular white wrestling boots on, and they lock up, and he puts on a headlock. 
Donovan, in his plain blue cotton long tights with the words Cadillac printed on his butt in cheap lettering, throws him off the ropes, but Scatman keeps the headlock clamped on tight. Bert smiles optimistically, while Peyton stands patiently, waiting for something. Donovan starts putting the heat on Scatman and puts on an armbar. Scatman is largely still and isn't doing much to signify pain from the hold. Bert, sort of uncomfortable, cracks his neck, watching the match in silence, along with the jam-packed sportatorium, also watching the match in silence. Scatman escapes and Irish whips Donovan into the corner. All right, here we go. Come on, Scatman. Scatman moves into the corner and immediately puts the headlock back on. And he doesn't even whip him to the mat. He sort of leans on him and they both fall. Many of the fans start to get up to get more stale beer and hot dogs. Bert falls back, sits on his chair, shaking his head. Peyton sits down beside him. Holy shit, this fucking guy's just a, an entrance and a loud promo. He's a walking intermission. I wonder if there's some big fucking rib by Crenshaw sending me this guy. I don't know, Bert. As much as it pains me to admit it, I was wrong, Peyton. Bad, bad Leroy Brown was a unique talent. Yes, it was. And I cannot just dip into the waters and expect any old black to be over like Leroy. No, you can't. It was a mistake trying to replace Leroy Brown. It may have been. A mistake I will not make again. Not in your watch. Because I know the mistake we made. Preach it, boss. Wasted too much time trying to find a replacement for Leroy. That we did. When we should have been trying to find a replacement for Michael. Testify. Wait, what did you say? Let's be honest. Leroy was my prized horse. But he stopped drawing years ago. Gabriel and Michael. The Angel Brothers is who the people want to see. Yeah? The reason our houses are down ain't because Michael and Leroy are gone. It's because Gabe is working singles. Um, the people like to see Gabriel with family, in a team with his brother. And that's what he needs. Well, they're the only two sons you got. That's right, Peyton. Which is why I'm going to have to make one. Uh, Bert, that'll be at least 18 years before we can make one to wrestle. And with your wife, uh... Not a real one, you idiot. You've got a job. Nigel and Hendo sold out to Julian. Empire's in the South now, so we need to be at full force. Find me a wrestler. Scour the continent. The outlaws. Anywhere. Leave no stone unturned, Peyton Thomas. Find me a good-looking pretty boy. A vanilla baby face that people would believe is the brother of Gabriel Angel. Outside the WVBS studios in Atlanta, Georgia, there are even more fans than usual trying to get into the weekly Saturday morning TV tapings for All-Star Wrestling. They're even more excited, even more enthusiastic, and carry more signs than ever this hot summer morning. But instead of signs cheering on Jesse James or the Jivetown Express, these signs read things like, Go Home Empire. We Want SCW. Free Donnie Gold. Inside, in the meeting room, Louis the Greek has his head down, closely examining the hole in the table that a week ago, Bob Walker stabbed a buck knife through. As Les Henderson explains the entire scene to his new co-worker, Louis the Greek, who he hasn't seen in years, while Julian Kane stares off into space with his hands on a triangle, elbows on the table as he thinks, plots, and schemes. 
Sal Spinelli walks by the empty desk where Janice, the SCW secretary, used to sit for the past 12 years and bursts into the meeting room. Maron, your fans, they're a bunch of fucking animals. One of them fucking mocks chew a tomato at me. A fucking tomato. Henderson squirms in his seat hearing talk about the fans who supported him for 25 years in the ring. Nigel hesitantly looks up at Julian while he breaks the bad news. I've never seen anything like this. Our switchboard operators have been flooded with calls all week. Letters to the newspapers, too. But it's just an adjustment period, that's all. And it's not everyone, I assure you, Julian. I'm canceling that taping today. Terrific. Another excuse for Donnie Gold and his old drinking buddy Kavanaugh to get plastered. Julian, we flew down every wrestler we have for these tapings. We can win these fans over. These marks are too stupid to support Empire. Run tapes again for the whole month. Just tape promos today since everyone's already here. But make sure the commercial pushing Thor versus Donnie Gold is all over it. Push the dates for the Omni, Tonight Show, Richmond, Tampa, everywhere. Why are we meeting here anyway? I thought you wanted us to move up to New York. Not yet. The new office isn't ready. What's wrong with old one in Jersey City? I despise that old dungeon. It's almost as bad as this shithole. Where a new office to be? Where else? The Empire State Building. Manhattan? How much does that cost? Brother, you see what Thor's doing in those arenas night after night? We're making money hand over fist. We're invading the South with their own fucking guys. Plus, Julian got all these uh, souvenirs coming down the pipe. We're talking t-shirts, full-size posters, them velvet posters that glow in the dark, ice cream bars, toys, everything. When is that to come? Next year, Louis shoots Sal a sharp look and wants to say something. Sal opens his eyes wider, staring back at Louis. In 1985, we'll be rolling in dough. All of us. So relax, Louis. Julian, it was understood that we have live wrestling here at the studios. I hate studio wrestling. Always have. That's what the WWA does, not Empire. Besides, I'm trying to establish Empire on WVBS. We cannot put Thor Hansen out there and have even one fan boo him on camera. Donna Gold gets cheered here all the time. Never mattered to Jesse James from everything. Thor Hansen is not Jesse James. Thor Hansen isn't just a draw. He is on the verge of becoming the top draw. And to be transcendent, his presentation must be pure. Perception is reality. And the last thing we need is Pro Wrestling Digest running a cover story that Atlanta hates Thor Hansen and Empire. Julian looks at him. I mean, Thor isn't as popular as he is in the North. You know, that's another problem. The fucking Digest. What did you guys do for them anyway? It's a New York magazine, yet they always put over your guys and shit on Empire talent. We always had a good relationship with Willie Williams, and they tend to favor the workers over, um, uh, the muscle men. Well, that needs to change. That's a brilliant idea, Julian. I can arrange a cover story interview. Win over those wrestling fans through PWD. Fuck the Digest. You know, they had Donnie Gold ranked number one and Thor number two this month. Two. Donnie doesn't even have a belt. You know, I'm not even sure Donnie's even right for this MTV spot at the Garden. Do they even know who he is in New York City? Yes, they knew who he was when he showed up, and he get himself even more over with every match. PWD, Willie Williams, and all his cronies are banned forthwith. Matter of fact, 
I don't want any press or photographers at ringside anymore. If they won't tell the stories that I want, then I'll tell my own. We're making our own fucking media, so I have control. It'll be called EWF Magazine. Yeah, that's it. Nigel, can you make it happen? Our own magazine? How much money is that? Louis, again with the cost. This fucking gay. I'm always in touch with accounting, Louis. We're fine. Don't be paranoid. Actually, we're more than fine. Empire's doing better than it ever did under my father. I know people in publishing. I'll make some calls. Enough of this. Let's go. We need to take one of these planes to get to Greenville early. No fucking way I'm climbing into that soda can with wings. I'm treeing 50 pounds. Come on, Sal. We fly these King Airs all the time. There hasn't been a crash since, uh, 1975. Yeah, well, I don't plan on breaking your streak. I'll see you boys in the funny papers. Louie, you're coming too. We're going to change some of the finishes for tonight. Jesse James enters the enormous foyer of the home of Daniel Hawkins, owner of the Carolina Wrestling Association. Nice to meet you, Daniel. We actually met a couple times. You probably don't remember. Jesse holds his cowboy hat as he looks around this museum-like room with its classical design, marble floors, statues, and adorned pillars. This is quite the homestead. CWA is doing better than I realized. Actually, this is from family money. My family owns the North Carolina National Bank for decades. Well, I'll be. Carolina, your mother never mentioned that. Well, my father more or less humored my mother, letting her form the CWA in 1960, and now they're both gone, my family humors me. Oh. Yeah, the Hawkins aren't much for wrestling. They feel the only sport they should put money into is an expansion team. They don't like that the only major sports franchise in the South, the Atlanta Braves, are owned by Jack Valiant, an Australian. Well, how'd your family feel about owning a major league wrestling franchise? They walk around the immaculately landscaped yard of this palatial estate, with its sculpted hedges and statues, carrying mint juleps, prepared by one of Daniel's maids. What's happening? Jesse, maybe the writing's on the wall. The seven major territories dropped to six when Julian took over. With SCW gone, we're down to five. Should I be talking to Julian about selling CWA? Maybe I should cash out while my value's at its highest. Now stop that talk right now. Jesse, look at what they're doing. They're already moving in on our territory this week. And they're going across all south next week. And Florida and Georgia aren't far behind. That New York shit won't draw. I've seen their advance in Charlotte. It's pretty strong, actually, because they have Donnie Gold and every one of our top stars. Well, they don't have me. Now, I'm the WWA heavyweight champion of the world. The people know that makes me the best in the business. And with Nacho gone, I decide the bookings for the world champion. And with CWA as my home, that would mean the world championship is yours. For now, in uh, St. Louis, some of the other board members were talking about replacing you. Did you know that you're the longest reigning babyface champion the Alliance has had in decades? They don't see that as a good thing. The others would be a lot more comfortable with a heel champion. Like who? Only names so far? Buddy Melrose or Crusher Krawcheck? Good lord. Is that the state of the Alliance of 1984? Moving backwards into the 70s. Jesse, we all know Donnie Gold was the perfect world champion. And if not him... Maybe Killian Kavanaugh could have been pushed up. But they're both in New York now. 
I agree that the WWA is better as a heel territory, but we don't have anyone right now with the goods or who I'd trust enough for that spot to not jump to New York with a belt. Donnie Gold almost did it, and he's my best friend, but it doesn't mean we won't have someone in the future, and that's why I'm here today. It's 1984, and we need to look forward to build and create. Danny boy, Jesse stops and faces Daniel Hawkins. You and me are going to build us the perfect roster. It'll be like building a, a Super Bowl team, you know, like them San Francisco 49ers. I hate to admit it since I keep beating my Cowboys, but the 49ers don't have a, a roster filled with pro bowlers and the biggest stars, but they have the perfect roster for them. And that's why they won two Super Bowls. The CWA can be that kind of team where everyone in that locker room has a role to make us the best team. We'll have uh, the guy with muscles, the nasty heels, the pretty boys, and we'll have a stable of the best in-ring technicians to carry everybody. You already have a solid framework with Tommy Loha, who's a top babyface, and the Southern Rebels will be perfect too. Combine that with the guys I'm bringing over from SCW, plus new wrestlers we find, and we can build something really special. And that's how we win, Danny boy. You and me, the killer combo. Daniel sits up a little straighter. We're going to bring houses up all across the Carolinas. Then we're going to start running more shows in the Virginias, and Georgia, and Florida. The South will rise again, Danny Hawkins. Okay, let's do it. They shake hands. Um, one problem, though. Danny Wayne of the Rebels is booker right now. You're going to have to tell him the book is yours now. Hmm. You don't worry about that, Denny Wayne. I'll deal with that son of a bitch. Daniel Hawkins waves Jesse off and skips back to the house, all excited. One of the maids picks up their glasses outside and takes them back into the house. She walks by a window of this mansion, and through the glass, you can see a giant poster of Jesse James and a display case of his wrestling boots inside a room filled with old wrestling posters and memorabilia. Julian Kane, Nigel Davies, Les Henderson, and Louis the Greek are crammed into a King Air passenger plane flying over the Georgia-South Carolina border, talking through headsets. Julian, did you hear about Heartland Pro Wrestling? What? The America Channel didn't air the newest episode. That double-juiced bloodbath with Crusher and Goliath. Julian turns his head to Nigel. My little birds tell me the America Channel is not happy with Heartland since Crusher took over. Really? Those dipshits turned me down months ago. What do you think, Nigel? Can you set up a meeting? America Channel turned you down once. Besides, are you already on WVBS? They turned me down because they had George Gilmore's Heartland Pro locked up. George is out of the picture now. And I'm thinking they want something more... PG-rated. Well, Nigel? I believe so. Oh, and Nigel, you're coming this time. Thor is too. We need to take that slot. I want to be on TV... everywhere. Once we finish touring all these southern states, we're going to lose Thor for the Rambo shoot. That's the remainder of summer. Thor has so much momentum right now. Is there any way he can still do shows, or on the weekends at least? Not an option, Louis. Our gates will take a slight hit, but the payoff will come later. 
I think with guys like Donnie Gold and the others, people won't even miss Thor. Julian side-eyes Henderson. Uh, as I was saying, we need to explain his absence on television. We should do an injury angle then. That will also set up MTV at the Garden in September. If he's working Donnie after that, it only makes sense to have Donnie cause the injury. Something with a leg and Donnie's figure four, perhaps. Or a monster heel run-in. Maybe plant a seed for something down the road. Thor can't work Donnie forever. They didn't even have first match yet. And if Thor's out more than 30 days, he'd be stripped of the title anyway. Why not put the belt on Donnie Gold while Thor does the moving? That keeps a world title on the bill to keep the fans, and Thor chasing the belt on his comeback will be a bigger draw for that MTV deal. Leave that 30-day alliance bullshit in Alabama and the hills of Kentucky. It's a work, Henderson. The entire idea of having a rule book for wrestling is absurd. Fans suspend their disbelief. Wrestling needs to be set in reality, and the rules make that world real, so it's easier to suspend that disbelief. Julian just stares at Les Henderson for a moment, without saying a word. Was it a mistake to bring you on board, Henderson? No, sir. Then shut the fuck up, unless you have something useful to say. Henderson looks down in shame, while Julian keeps staring him down. Louis, tonight in Greenville, and the rest of the Mid-Atlantic Swing. Thor Hansen goes over on Donnie Gold. Clean. But we discussed this. We wanted to protect Donnie. You guys are always jerking off about Donnie Gold. How he can get his heat back with a promo. So we don't need to protect him, right? Besides, by banning all press at these southern shows, we'll know about it anyway. The others look at each other. Everyone shut your traps. I need a nap. I have an important meeting tomorrow. And Henderson's pissing me off on his first day on the job. The Southern Rebels, one of the hottest heel trios wherever they go, are dressing for their match at a CWA show at the Civic Center in Asheville, North Carolina. The leader of the trio and booker for the CWA, Denny Wayne, is relaying instructions to Chief Waylon Thorpe for his match while Denny's partners are in the corner of the locker room. Cooter, a 300-pound bruiser, is facing Dickie Wayne, the eldest of the Southern Rebels, and the entire locker room for that matter. Dickie is standing naked, except for a cut-off Confederate flag t-shirt. He's straddled over someone's red wrestling boots, while Cooter is crouched down to equal his height, with their arms crossed, holding Dickie's hand so he doesn't fall. His long, wrinkled, gray-haired dick dangling while he carefully aims to drop this turd with the precision of a watchmaker into this boot as someone made the fatal mistake of leaving their gear unattended in the same locker room as the Southern Rebels. As Denny Wayne speaks with Chief Thorpe, oblivious to his partner's antics as if this is merely a regular occurrence, the door opens and in walks Jesse James. Denny Wayne! Daniel Hawkins scurries in from behind. Denny looks up immediately and turns his head to the door. Well, if it ain't the outlaw, Jesse James. You got a lot of nerve bringing your fat Texas ass into my locker room. Your locker room? You listen here, boy. Daniel here already told me how you worm your way in and the bullshit you'll try to pull. Um, I didn't really say anything like that. Is that an accurate description, Mr. James? If you would please enlighten us to this catastrophic deception. Jesse moves in closer. 
I know the kind of man you are, Denny. The silver-tongued words of the devil that sound like honey, but are the slow creep of poison. Dickie's bowel-induced grimace turns into a cold scowl as he looks at Jesse James, drops the poop into the top of the boot, and releases Cooter's hands. Cooter turns around and straightens up to his full six-foot-five-inch height and faces Jesse James, who approaches them. You roll in with your boys, take over, bleed the promoter dry, and then leave. Um, I, I wouldn't say he's doing that, it's just... Without even putting on his underwear, Dickie leads Cooter, and the two of them stand behind Denny Wayne, fists clenched. Jesse moves closer as Daniel is getting scared at the fight about to break out, yet he's also distracted by Dickie, still being naked and grossed out as he notices Dickie's penis twitch as he seems to be getting aroused at the anticipation of a fight. One might say the same thing about you, Mr. James. Were you not the pencil man of Southeast Championship Wrestling, the same SCW that turned over on its belly, spread its ass cheeks wide open, and invited one Mr. Julian Kane to insert himself inside SCW and thrust himself repeatedly? The end result of this metaphorical venereal disease being SCW from this day forth, never to be seen or heard from ever again. Hawkins' eyes are bugging out of his face as the entire locker room is frozen, watching the stare-down between Jesse James and all three Southern Rebels. I think you took that too far. Did I? I'm sorry. But I did like what you were saying. Very visual. I wish I could use that on TV. <laughs> don't you know it? Daniel's completely confused until he sees Jesse and Denny shake hands and hug. <laughs> Denny Wayne, good to see you, brother. It's been too long, Jesse. Cooter and Dickie start laughing and move in, too. Cooter, you keep getting bigger, boy. Jesse. As Jesse reunites with his old buddies, the Southern Rebels, Daniel Hawkins is still distracted by Dickie hugging and talking to Jesse, while not only wearing no pants with his wrinkled member swinging around, but now notices there's still a chunk of turd still stuck to his ass, which didn't yet fall, but is clearly on the verge, and nervously looks around for a plate or anything to catch it. I'm glad you're here, Jesse, but your good intentions are mistimed. We are indeed promised to one Mr. Burt Ironside. We are set to blow off our run with Mr. Aloha and Mr. Harris and resume our never-ending feud with the Angel Boys of Dallas, or what remains of Menaway. I appreciate your word being bond and all, but we are at war here. And Julian Kane dropped an atomic bomb on the Alliance with his SCW bio. The entire South is in his crosshairs, and we need all hands on deck to fortify this place. Mr. James, when tonight's show is finished, we shall definitely discuss said matters. The London Broil Restaurant is filled with the elites of society. The waiters in tuxedos with white jackets. Soothing music playing from the corner with perfect mood lighting for a fancy evening at dinner. Yet tonight's high society guests cannot help but be distracted by the sights and sounds of a seven foot, 400 pound behemoth named Goliath as he devours an entire Thanksgiving sized turkey with his hands. He's eating like a monster, meat, juice, and gravy all over his face 
slurping Cabernet Sauvignon straight from a carafe, spilling all over his chin with chunks of turkey sticking to the sides of the glass. He takes one last gulp and sets it down next to a growing pile of bottles. Gosh, no more He raises his mighty arm, looking at the waiter across the room. The other guests at this restaurant are aghast at this display. And then he turns to his dinner guest. I'm gonna need an Andler. Someone to drive me around at all times. Pick me up from my hotel. I want one case of beer in that car waiting for me. And another case of beer at the venue waiting for me. Before every match, I want one girl to suck my cock. <laughs> I need to bust my nut before I step into that ring. I don't care if it's ring rat to oars. And after I'm driven to my hotel, I want two girls waiting for me in that room. They're gonna bathe me. And after, I'll do whatever I want with them. And this is how much you'll pay me. He slides a piece of paper over with a figure written on it. Every night, plus my cut of the house. If I wrestle your champion, it'll be the first time for us. Believe it or not, we've never worked a match with each other. But when we do, it will sell out any arena in the country. From Los Angeles to St. Louis to Madison Square Garden. And you know this, which is why you're going to pay me that money. And don't worry about me working for Crusher. I'm done with him. I'll work with you now. And another thing, I do the job when I want to do the job, not when you want me to. Are we clear? The man nods. <laughs> That's right. Because you're a smart man. I don't give a bleeding fuck what anyone says about Donnie fucking gold or Four Anson. I'm still the biggest drawer in this business. In Japan, I'm a bloody celebrity. Those little yellow bastards bow on their hands and knees to me. They take me to the finest bathhouses with the finest whores and bathe my body in silk, treating me like the god that I am. And if you think I'm giving all that up like Four Anson did, turning his back on the Japanese, you can fuck off right now. You're gonna fly me back and forth, first class, because I'm gonna honor my commitments in Japan. I see the changes in the business this year, and you know I can take you to another level of success, which is why you're going to give me what I want. Goliath extends his hand, slathered in turkey grease and gravy. The man reaches out and takes Goliath's filthy hand without hesitation and squeezes it back. Goliath, my son Nelly will be your personal handler because we are going to make a lot of money and you are going to make American Midwest Wrestling the number one territory in the country once again. <laughs> That's right, baby. Old Man Gotcha's back. 